Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. The peace of Christ be with you. We welcome you to First Baptist Church, and we are grateful that we can be here together to worship. I also want to add a word of thanks for you wearing these masks here. Uh, You've been very gracious, and you've been very generous. Um, Nobody wants to do that again, Uh, but we're going to try to follow the CDC guidelines, and Uh, We're we're just ready for all of this to be over, as I know that you are, but thank you for your patience throughout this, and and thank you for your understanding. We are very grateful. So at this time, let us take a deep breath. Let us ready ourselves to worship the God who is the creator and the redeemer and the sustainer. Let us worship together. Let's join our hearts together and our voices as we read together. God provides enough. God creates a world of abundance. Our Creator makes it so. Praise be to the God of abundant love.
Let us pray. Dear God, we are your people and we know what you desire of us, that we do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. We gather this morning to remind each other of that, to remember that now is always the right time to do these things. We seek your guidance, we seek your love, we seek your mercy. So with thanks in our hearts, let us worship God. Amen. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome Nathaniel Nate Hill to our church today to present some beautiful music. Uh, Nate and his parents are with us today, and we appreciate you coming, and we've, um, we're, we welcome you to Tryon First Baptist. Uh, I've, been, um, I've watched Nate grow up from a distance. His parents are on the faculty at Limestone College, and Nate has been to student recitals since he was a baby in arms, I think, Karen. And he has matured, and he's one of the most gifted musicians I've ever met. And I think that he will uh, really do well in his chosen career. He will be um, going as a junior, freshman at the Cleveland Institute of Music in Cleveland, Ohio. And we look forward to hearing more from Nate, and we also look forward to the musical world from hearing more from him for the rest of his life. So God has truly blessed us by sending him here today. So thank you, Nate, and we look forward to hearing you again.
know what, I think I'll just do the children's sermon from here. We do have children watching at home, and we, we, instead of just singling anybody out, I'll just do the little children's sermon from here, and you can all play along. So the question I would ask the children this morning, and by extension ask you, is what do you do for fun? What is fun? What brings you life? There are activities we do that suck the life out of us and drain us, and there are activities we do that give us life and renew us. So just ponder on that for a minute, whatever that activity is for you. One of the, one of the activities for me is fly fishing, and I'm heading to do that pretty soon uh, and looking really, really, really forward to that. I didn't do that last year on my annual little trip out west, and I'm looking forward to making up for lost time. But what is it that brings you life? Well, here's the good news. There's this thing called Sabbath. And sometimes we have thought about the Sabbath as this restrictive kind of idea about the, you don't do things on the Sabbath, right? But really, Jesus says the Sabbath has been made for us and not us for the Sabbath. And Sabbath is really anything that we do that gives us life. Those things that are fun, those things that renew our soul. It's not going to be too much longer before school starts back, kids, so I would say have some fun before it does. Go play in the creek and swim at the pool and maybe even some video games in between, just not all day long, right? Go and have fun and know that when you are fully alive, you are reflecting God's image to the world. Amen. All right, we're going to read together then the responsive reading from Psalm 78. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. Mortals ate the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. He rained flesh upon them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. And they ate and were filled.
each year <clears throat> our church um, is very pleased to offer scholarships to an incoming freshman um, to college. Uh, this year, Rollins uh, is the Carter is the only scholarship recipient, um, and she will be attending the University of North Carolina in Charlotte. She's going to major in psychology and get a minor in Spanish and nutrition. The award comes from a combination of the following funds, and I'd like to read those to you. The Ann W. Fincher Memorial Scholarship, the Henson Scholarship Fund, the Meredith McAllister Memorial Scholarship Fund, the Tommy Radford Memorial Scholarship Fund, the Angie Collins Memorial Scholarship Fund, and the Polly Scruggs Memorial Scholarship Fund. <clears throat> Rollins, we wish you well in this new adventure and know that our church family will be praying for you as you go forward and um, know that we're here for you if, if ever you uh, need us and we'll look forward to you returning to us when, when you're home from college. Thank the you. best of everything to you and good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. The scripture reading today comes from Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who above all, through all, and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captive himself made itself a captive, he gave gifts to his people. When he said he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, to equip the saints of the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full statue of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about every wind of doctrine by people's trickery but by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, 
we must grow up in every way into him who is ahead into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is quipped as each part is working properly promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading today is John 6, 24 through 35. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then he said to them, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, 
This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, what sign are you going to give us then so that we may see and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave, them he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of the Lord. Do you remember Charlie Brown trying to kick the football? You mean the peanuts? <laughs> yep, exactly. Peanuts. Charlie Brown trying to kick the football over and over and over. He tries to kick it, and every time Lucy pulls it away, right? I used to love that when I was a kid, and if, if YouTube had been around when I was a kid, I would probably have driven my dad insane because I would have just watched that over and over. And my dad used to be really annoyed by the predictability of Lucy's hijinks. He would say, why does he keep doing that? Every time he knows good and well she's going to pull it away at the last minute and he's going to wind up on his back, and of course she does every single time, at least according to the quick internet research I, I, I performed. He, he never kicks the ball. It never happens. Now, if you, if you know otherwise, you can let me know after church because I didn't do an exhaustive search on that. But as far as I know, he never succeeded. And it's a fair question, right? I mean, why would you keep trying if you know that it is highly unlikely? And, and if you don't know that it's highly unlikely by the third or fourth or fifth attempt, then you, you must not be very bright because there's a very easily discernible pattern there, right? He runs, she pulls it, he ends on his back. I, they, I don't know who said this. They credit Einstein with it, but I don't think he said it. The, the definition of insanity, right, it's doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. So was Charlie Brown insane? or trying to kick a football that he always knew was going to be pulled away at the last second? Are we insane for trying to follow Jesus when we know good and well that we aren't quite going to pull it off? Now, by not quite pulling it off, I don't just mean that we occasionally miss the mark every now and then. What I really mean is that I'm pretty sure no one has ever mistaken us for Jesus. Pretty sure, I should just speak for myself really, but I'm quite sure no one has ever mistaken me for Jesus. When, when I was a chaplain resident, I was working at Baptist Hospital 
It's a fairly large hospital, about a thousand beds. And on the weekend, uh, if you were the on-call chaplain, you were it, that's it. There's only one chaplain for the whole hospital. I received a page and the family wanted to speak with the chaplain and so I, I went to the floor, I found the nurse, got a little background on the situation, proceeded to go over to the family. Hi, my name's Jeff, I'm the chaplain. Understand that y'all would like to talk. Can we, we can go into the conference room here and have some privacy. And the lady said, you're the chaplain? And I, and I, and I said, yes ma'am, I am. She said, well, you can't be a chaplain, you're a kid. And, and I said, well, uh, I'm the cat chaplain. And she said, well, actually, we need to see you like an adult, like an actual adult. And she said, how old are you? And I said, 28. And she said, yeah, you're, you're not going to be able to help us. Could you get someone else? And I said, nope, I can't. That's it. You either get me or you get no one. And so they got no one that day. They definitely did not mistake me for being Jesus because they didn't even think I was a chaplain. What I really wanted to say was, look, I'm about the same age as Jesus when he started his ministry. And of course, she would have probably have said, well, you, sir, are no Jesus. And she would have been correct. I, I once heard a minister say this out loud to a group of other clergy. He said, you know, occasionally I intentionally do something that's a little off. So, so they'll know I'm a human just like they are. And, and I thought he, it was a joke. And so I was laughing, and then I realized he wasn't joking. And so I stopped laughing. He was serious. He thought he was such a uniquely holy person that he had to do something intentional so that his congregation would know he was human. That's, that's fairly delusional, that kind of thinking. Or, or to say it a different way, when, when Paul says in this text here uh, from Ephesians, when he says that we've been called to a life of humility, I'm fairly certain you've disqualified yourself. If you believe you're so holy, you have to intentionally do something to let people know you are human. In fact, I could think of a few incidents probably this morning <laughs> where I was not nearly Patient enough. It's another one in there. Patience, he says. Not many days go by when I'm probably a bit more impatient than I should be with people that I love. Probably not too many days go by when I'm not really as gentle with certain people as I should be. Not that I'm physical, but gentle with the way that I speak or the way that I listen. We could go around the room, let everyone confess all those things, right? And we'd be here for a really long time. Because if we have any sort of awareness of who we actually are, we can give many examples of where we fall short, way short. We, we could also give lots of examples of several prominent Christian leaders or entire churches who have demonstrated just devastating behaviors that, that really aren't just not Christ-like, they would be anti-Christ-like. I mean, there's no wonder that Paul says 
we must no longer be children. Did you catch that part in the text? He says, we must no longer be children. We must grow up. We must grow up. I know he was talking to that church in Ephesus, but it feels like he's talking to the church in America. There's this immaturity about much of Christianity in this place. Seems to be an inch deep and a mile wide. Just not very deep, not very rooted, very much surface level kind of Christianity. A lot of lip service to Jesus, a lot of Christianese you might call it, right? You use all this religious language. And yet, so often, we seem to come up so short. Richard Rohr said it this way. I ran across this a few years ago, and I, I can't quite get this one out of my mind. He says that Christians are usually sincere and well-intentioned people until, until you get to any real issues of ego or control, or power, or money, and pleasure, and security. And when you get to these issues, he says, well, they tend to be pretty much like everyone else. He says, we've been given a bogus version of the gospel, some fast food religion without any deep transformation of the self. And isn't that just a sad commentary? makes me deeply sad to, to, to think about the lack of formation that we've had in the faith. Oftentimes, we've been malformed in the faith. It's not just that we lack formation, but we've been formed the wrong way. I mean, basically what Rohr is saying here is he says that, that we Christians are sincere and well-intentioned people until we get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> and then we're pretty much just like everyone else. And that's, that's kind of hard to admit, but I think it's often true. It's especially true for those other Christians, right? Like whoever that might be for you, right? You can look around and say, oh, yep, exactly. But it's also true for me. It's also true for you. Sort of feels like we're Charlie Brown, and we somehow keep saying to ourselves, nope, nope, this time I'm going to get it. I'm going to really get it this time. And, of course, you know what happens. And it, it, can, it can be enough if you, if you really ponder this and you really think about the church and the witness of the church and the witness of individuals who follow Jesus. It can be enough to make you really, really sad. It can be enough when you examine your own life and you're just saying, oh, how could I get this so wrong? It can make you want to throw your hands up in the air and maybe just quit and say, you know what? I don't even know if we're a net gain or a net good. I don't know exactly how you do the equation on that. I don't know exactly how you line up all the math. But sometimes you wonder, you think, has the church been a net gain for the world? It can be really sad and depressing. 
But every once in a while, every once in a while, I run into someone and I get to know them. And if I'm looking close and if I'm paying attention, they remind me of Jesus. I catch a glimpse of it. These, these people, they're, they're humble. Like they, they really are. They, they manage to somehow pull that off. It's not this false sense of humility, but they're actually humble. I know some folks like that. And they're gentle. And they're gentle and kind. And they're patient. I know some folks who are so patient. Some people who are really loving, really generous in how they love and how they share their life and how they share their gifts. And the truth is, they are different. These people really are different when it comes to those issues of ego and control and power and money and pleasure and security. These people are actually different. Now, they're not perfect, right? They're not perfect, but they're different. And they're different because they have encountered this Jesus. And they have encountered this Jesus story. And they have come to realize that there is another way to live and another way to be. And it's always, it's always a work in progress. It's always a work in progress. But they have come to, to realize that Jesus is the true bread. That Jesus is the one who really gives nourishment and life. And they have come to believe that Jesus really is the one and that his way really is the way. Now, the truth is, they don't really kick the football, right? Like, it doesn't quite happen that way. Because kicking the football is like arriving, fully arriving. But none of us ever really fully arrive. Ever. It doesn't happen. None of us ever fully arrive. I remember this. I've told you this before, but it still just kind of blows my mind. I was teaching Sunday school, filling in one Sunday here, and we had a guest at church, and I had talked about sort of our commonness, our universal, uh, our, our universal uh, struggles with sin. This is the way that we're fallen and broken. I had mentioned that in Sunday school and how I, had, I think I had used the phrase, we were all sinners or something. And this person caught me after worship, and they said, well, I, I don't think I agree with that. And you know why this person didn't agree with that? Because they thought they had arrived. He said, I'm, I'm pretty far down the path of sanctification. And I said, well, that's cool. Tell me about that. How's that working out for you? Because it doesn't really sound like you are. I didn't say that part. I wanted to say that part, but I was like, really? You think you're there? You're not there because nobody ever arrives, but we do grow. We grow, 
and we mature. And little by little, bit by bit, you reflect Jesus. You reflect this other way of living. And we so desperately need that. That is the hope that sustains us that this risen Christ shows up in you, in you, in you. So stick with it. Don't give up. It's worth the journey. Amen.
Let's begin this time of prayer with just a time of silence. Listen for that voice that we long to hear. Let's be still together. Lord, we confess that we are broken. We are tired. We confess that we are often frustrated, not just with the state of the world or the state of the church, but with our own selves from our failure to be the people that you already know us to be. From the failure to reflect your beauty and your goodness in this world. We are also grateful we are grateful Because ultimately, the final reconciliation of this world is not ours. That is work that we can participate in, but it is work that ultimately you will do. And you will do it in us and through us and in spite of us. So may we put our trust in you in your goodness and in your faithfulness. And may we live as people who already know how the story ends, because we do. Reconcile us, O oh Lord, to you and to each other and to ourselves. For the sake of this world that needs deep healing, that longs for healing. And now I invite those of you here in the sanctuary to offer the names aloud of those who need healing and then I will repeat that name so that everyone can hear that. Becky Hudson. Becky Hudson. Susan McHugh. Susan McHugh. Vernon Dusenberry. Roberta Rattery. Edna Cox. Tim Dempsey. Sarah McClure. Joe and Bob Oliver. Susie Butts. family of Elliot Hodges. And now those of you who are joining us on Zoom, 
If you have names to offer, please unmute yourself and offer them now. And if those of you from home will unmute yourselves and join us as we pray in the way that Christ has taught us, we will say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, glory, glory forever. Amen. Our mission for this month is school supplies for Trine Elementary School. The list of the needed supplies is in our, listed in our order of service for today. Before school starts, several nonprofits always have events that provide supplies for the schools. And, and that's it's good and that helps the school uh, children to begin with. About seven years ago, at a meeting at the school, they shared with us that the school supplies that the children had normally ran out around, around December. And at the time of the meeting, children who had run out of notebook paper were being given one sheet per day because the uh, school didn't have any paper to share with them. Now the paper that, I mean the um, supplies that we collect from and take to try and, uh, try and elementary, it will be for the, they will store that in their closet, supply closet, and not give it to the children until it's needed during the year. And I know that the list is long when you look at it, but please read through it and bring what you can, because if you can just bring one item, any item will help one child. And I know that Trine Elementary and the school children will be very grateful for whatever we can provide for them. So thank you for supporting this mission. Thank you for your faithful support of all the local missions endeavors that we do each month. We are grateful for your help with those things. It's a wonderful way that we can share Christ's love with this community, so thank you. Nate, thank you so much for being here today. Your music was beautiful, could listen to it all day. I wish you the best, thank you so much. So one way, it seems like to me, I'm not a doctor, but the best things I can read, not a medical doctor, the best things I can read Tell me the best way for us to be able to get out of the pandemic and get back to a real normal life is to have as many people vaccinated as possible. We have a vaccine clinic that we're hosting here uh, next Sunday in the back parking lot. The Polk County Health Department will be here. From what I read, many of the people who have not been vaccinated really aren't um, 
they're, they're persuadable. There's a large number of those people who are actually persuadable. Uh, we're not going to persuade those people by shaming them uh, or any of those kinds of things. But if you know someone who hasn't been vaccinated and they might be persuadable, uh, just remind them that next week they could come to the church anywhere between 12, uh, 12 noon and 2 p.m. and ride through in their car and, and be vaccinated. Um, so we, we advertise that event on uh, Facebook, and it's interesting some of the comments you, you get. Um, why in the world is the church doing this and all these kinds of things? And so I was patient, and so I just deleted those comments instead of saying to them, because we are trying to love our neighbors. And if you have a different opinion on that, that's, I get that, but that's why we're trying to do it. We're trying to love our neighbors, and we're trying to, to, to get back to a sense of normalcy. So we're grateful for the work that our health department have done, has done, and thank you for abiding by our protocols here. We really appreciate it. We're grateful for your patience. So the back parking lot will not be open next Sunday. It'll be closed off. So uh, we do have the golf cart. And so if you need transportation to the door, if you'll park in the Fine Arts Center parking lot just above our parking lot, we'll run a golf cart shuttle from there and run you right to the ramp here. Uh, so it shouldn't be any trouble getting in or out, uh, but that will be closed off, just so you know. It has been good to worship with you. It has been good to be together. Let's stand now for the benediction. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother, children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen. Have a great week. I'll be at this door back here if you're on